Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. There's an obvious theme right now to the NBA playoffs because it's become almost a nightly tradition for one star to rise above and become absolutely unstoppable, willing their team to victory. Last night, in an improbable win, an improbable star took that moment and made us all stop and watch. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. And the story of the day is James Harden. 45 points, 6 assists. Philly, without Joel Embiid, went into Boston and steals game one of the Eastern Semis, 119-115. And Harry, as I just said, it feels like every round, every night, we're getting one major brand-name superstar that comes out and just reminds the world they're better than everybody else on the floor that night. That's what Harden did last night, absolutely securing the win for his team. Ooh, you talk about a rough two nights for Boston fans in that building TD Garden. The Boston Bruins the night before, last night it was the Boston Celtics in a game that fits – didn't even feature Joel Embiid, who's probably going to win the MVP this season. And I'm going to go ahead and say it like this, a very inexcusable loss by the Boston Celtics. But I want to give a lot of credit to a guy named James Harden because there there was a lot of pressure on James Harden coming into this NBA playoffs. And when his star player, his superstar player, Embiid, wasn't there for them last night because of injury, he put the Philadelphia 76ers on his back time and time again 45 points, hit big shot after big shot to the point where it got down to the end. And you guess what? I know what Doc Rivers probably got the pick and roll play from. It's easy because we've seen Trey Young hit that three-pointer to basically end the game for the Boston Celtics. But this time, this time around versus uh, Boston, Philly got, you know, Al Horford in that pick and roll. And I got to tell, tell people this. I'm going to take my chances in that situation with P.J. Tucker, who set a good screen, but I'm taking my chances with P.J. Tucker being wide open versus my point guard, versus James Harden being a point guard versus my five man. You're not going to win that matchup. You're not. Al Horford is a phenomenal player. He's done some phenomenal things in his entire career and been amazing this season. But you cannot put Al Horford in that situation one-on-one with James Harden, who happened up until that point, hit six threes. He shot 50% from the three-point line, 7 for 14. You cannot put Al Horford in that situation. So that's coaching. I mean – That's coaching. That's also a little bit of a reminder that Al Horford's no Draymond. It wasn't that many days ago that we were talking about De'Aaron Fox had to take the last shot for the Kings, but he couldn't because he was smothered and covered like Waffle House hash browns by Draymond, had no good look. This was, a, I mean, Horford was trying to accomplish the same thing. I was stunned they didn't try and double Harden given the night that he'd had. I was stunned to your point coaching decision. I was stunned that Harden got that good of a look. And what did he do? He did the signature step back. We've seen a billion times and absolutely nailed it over Horford. So it was one of those moments where I, I, I questioned the coaching, I questioned the play, I questioned everything other than Harden because Harden came oh, out and nailed goodness. it in the moment. Oh my goodness, Fitz. Didn't he look like the Harden from the Houston days last night? Like the one time when he crossed over Jalen Brown and left his jock where it socked 
I said, oh my goodness, this this is like old James Harden, but it was the mid-range game from the three-point line. And just under, the understanding that he had to will his team to that victory, kind of what we've seen from Steph Curry in Game 7 versus the Sacramento Kings. James Harden put that team on his back last night over and over and over again. He was aggressive, and when he started making those, I think he went three for three to start the game. I knew it was going to be a hell of a night for James Harden. Yeah, there's no doubt. Harden absolutely on fire. He talked about it at the press conference afterwards, pulling out the win and what he's looking forward to in the next game. We didn't come in the game expecting to lose. You know what I mean? Like, we are here to win. And even after this game, I told the guys, don't get too happy. Like, we even kill. You know what I mean? Like, we're coming here to get game two as well. And so that's the mindset that we have as a unit. And, you know, whether, whether Joe comes back or not, We'll be ready to go. Obviously, he's huge. I mean, he's everything for this team. But, um, you know, we got whoever's on the floor, let's go win the game. And that's what we did tonight. Ooh, I like that. Whoever's on the floor, let's go win the game. And now, I say that to say this, Fitz. Role players did their job. Tyrese Maxey, 26 points. Balled out. He missed some open shots, but he didn't let that frustrate him. You, you, you look at Tobias Harris, chipped in with 18. Paul Reed, stepping in for Embiid, 10 points. Hit a big four free throws down the stretch. But then, what about DeAnthony Melton? Coming off the bench, hitting five threes, scoring 17 points. Gave them a little boost that they may have needed. But Doc Rivers, within that game, he basically played six guys, 25 minutes or plus. So he basically was telling those six guys, we're going to live by the sword, we're going to die by the sword. You can't get tired. You can't. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. And you mentioned the role players that did their job, but let's also acknowledge that this was a bit of an implosion at times by the Celtics. They didn't get any of that production from their role players, and turnovers were just a massive part. Everybody's seen the play at this point, but just one of the the most dumbfounding, throw the ball straight to the wrong team, ends up being a backbreaker late in this game. I was a little stunned to see the Celtics just not have a better game plan in the final couple of minutes, not just from their stars, but also from their role players. It felt like nobody knew where to generate offense from. Yeah, Malcolm Brogdon had a brain fart towards the end of that basketball game, and I put that on Malcolm Brogdon. Also, I'm going to put some of it on Jason Tatum because Jason Tatum had that basketball uh, with the shot clock going down. Shoot the basketball, man. Don't pass it to someone else late in the shot clock like that. You, you got 39 points. You're balling out within this, this ball game. Shoot the ball. And then also Marcus Smart with his turnovers and his bad decision making. I just think it was a bad night for the Boston Celtics, 16 turnovers totally. Mm. Uh, but you can't have Derek White have four points. Right, you, 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 you shot a better field goal percentage, more so than the Philadelphia 76ers. You shot more free throws. You had more rebounds. You had more assists. But you want to know what's the key component? Their defense that we're seeing them play is nothing like the defense we've seen them play last year. Now, that's also a mindset thing, and I'm going to go to Joe Mazzullo on that as well. And I don't want to hear nobody say nothing about its excuses for the Boston Celtics. I understand those players are still there. But the mindset comes from the head coach. You want to know what mindset I knew they had last year with Ime Adoka? Defense. Physicality. You know what mindset they don't have this season? The mindset they had last year defensively. And it showed up in the Atlanta Hawks series. 
It showed up last night in the first game versus the 76ers. Yeah, and that's a controllable element of this. Like everybody that played the game constantly talks about how defense is is a variable that you have some impact in. It's an effort thing. And if you it, it's a commitment thing, it's a culture thing, right? All of these things to come back to say that that's part of the coaching atmosphere that's being created. I mean, if the same guys are not playing as solid defensively, then you got to ask yourself what changed. The focus changed, right? Any organization, I don't care what the sport is, Harry. Any yep. organization has a focus and how they handle their practices, how they handle their offseason, how they handle their plays. Like, what are they trying to make a focus of the culture of that team? Last year, a focus of the culture of the Celtics was certainly defense. Last night, it didn't feel like that same energy and effort was being put in to the defensive side of the ball. That, that again, lies squarely at the feet of Joe Missoula because that is the variable that has changed. If it looked good last year and it doesn't look good this year, you got to ask yourself, what changed? The answer is Missoula, and this isn't the first time. Frankly, you and I in this playoff conversation have looked around the Celtics and said, man, maybe lack of experience at the head coaching position is more of an issue than some people wanted to make it. Yeah, Fitz, and, and, and I get it because, you know, these guys are NBA basketball players. They're professionals, so their mindset should be there as well. But at the end of the day, I remember Marcus Smart saying a few times last season when uh, Coach Udoka got into him got into him and challenged him as, as a basketball player about what he was doing on the basketball court. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and say Joe Mazzula isn't doing that, but I know the damn message got through a season ago from the head coach that they did have. That, that's what I do know. And, and to that end, I, we all know this. At some point, it's about finding the pulse of the team. And that's a communication thing. That's a leadership thing. That's a coaching thing. Part of the responsibility. Steve Kerr has always done a good job finding the pulse of what makes the Warriors tick and understanding there when to go. let the players mo- motivate themselves and when he needs to motivate the players. Like the great coaches in the NBA know the pulse of their team. Right now, I'm looking around saying who is making that pulse beat a little bit faster when it comes to the energy on the defensive side of the ball. We got a lot to break down because it was a huge night in the NBA. We will continue to break down what this game ma- means. Obviously, Obviously, for Boston, what it means for Philly in a epic game one in this Eastern Conference semifinal. But coming up, one contender's title hopes were absolutely scrambled last night. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Jokic got it! And that ought to do it. Denver leads it by 10. There's the horn! Denver takes a two-game to nil lead in the Western Conference semifinals. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Jokic got it, and that ought to do it. Denver leads it by ten. There's the horn. Takes a two-game to nil lead in the Western Conference semifinals. Hey man, Nicole is an MVP for a reason. He can take over a game. He can beat you in a lot of different ways. But I love an aggressive Nicole Jokic. I love a guy that's getting to the basket and posing his will upon the other team. It feels like this year. In the NBA playoffs, nothing is certain. And higher seed has virtually meant nothing through the course of the first two rounds. 
But yet again, there is one top seed that sits there and reminds us all that in uncertain times, there's one thing that's certain, and that's Denver is damn good. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly 700 bucks on average. Call or click today. Find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Uh, look, uh, Jokic last night, 39 points on 17-30 shooting, uh, 16 rebounds, mm-hmm. 5 assists. I mean, Denver went out in a game where in the second half it looked like things were getting a little close, a little prickly, and then all of a sudden Philadelphia, all of a sudden Phoenix loses Chris Paul and things just go wildly off the rails. Denver now is sitting with the 2 nothing series lead in this one. And Harry, I mean, it's not just that they're up 2 nothing; It's that their MVP has looked like an MVP, and they've just frankly handled the Suns so far. Yeah, he's been taking DeAndre Ayton to the, to the woodshed. He, he, he's, he's literally laid him across his lap and been spanking his little ass <laughs> since this series has started. Seriously. And, and DeAndre Ayton on defense look, looks, like a, looks, looks like a guy, a deer in headlights, literally, because he has no answer for Jokic. But Fitz, it, it made me think about something my dad used to say to us in AAU basketball, right, when people used to, like, try to run and dunk. He used to tell them, dunking ain't no damn skill. Give me somebody who's skillful, who can shoot, pass, dribble, make the right basketball play. Jokic can't even play above the rim, but he's going out there time and time again, back-to-back MVP award winner, balling out because he plays the game the right way, and he has a certain set of skills that, 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 that the other bigs, other five men can't stop. And he, he when I mean he took, you know, DeAndre Ayton to school last night, 39 points. But they needed every bit of it because it wasn't like Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. was phenomenal. Those two guys combined were 5 for 22, 15 points combined. But when you got a back-to-back MVP award winner, he understands the moment. He understands how big that game was. And he understands how much pressure is on him being a back-to-back MVP award winner. He's trying to get to an NBA Finals. He, he don't care nothing about no Kevin Durant, no Devin Booker, no DeAndre Ayton, any guy, anybody over there on the Phoenix Suns basketball team. He's on a mission. And he understands that he's the leader of that basketball team, and they're going to go as he goes. It's interesting to me because now all I can think about is Step Brothers. I don't know if you remember the movie Step Brothers, <laughs> but there's a scene where like finally the stepdad just you know takes Will Ferrell and just bends him over and just starts spanking him right there, yeah. and he's like, "You need it." Like uh, that's all I can think of now is happening with Aiden. It is. If, if I'm DeAndre Aiden, I feel some type of way about it though. Like I want to see how he's going to come out in Game Three because right now I'd be ashamed. Uh, well, a hundred percent. There's got to be a different level of, uh, let's say, aggressiveness assertion from everybody across the the the, uh, the board. They've also just got to, they've got to shoot better. They shot one for fifteen on open looks for deep. That's the the lowest percentage on open threes in a game all postseason. You think about that. Like they had the looks and How they just couldn't 19% get them. percent from the three point line. I, I wonder. Like I want to know what's the playoff low. They shot nineteen percent. From the three-point line. And this is a team that has two of the best shooters in the NBA on it. And two of the best shooters in the NBA, and they shot 19% from three. And by the way, it's a team that's getting still getting tremendous production, even in a loss, 
you know, frankly, Devin Booker has just asserted himself as this superstar extraordinaire. Despite the loss, he's got the postseason average of over 35 points per game still shooting 55 percentage, uh, shooting 55 percent through seven games so far. Like Booker is wildly efficient, puts up 35 last night on 14 or 29 shooting. But like you're getting everything you could possibly get from Booker. You are getting what you need out of Durant in this situation too. 24 and eight. It's just no, 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 no. Uh, 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 uh. He missed 17 shots. He was two for 12 from the floor, from the three point line. Yeah, he didn't. Shoot I need Kevin. Up. I need Kevin Durant to be. I need his antennas to be up a little bit more from the start of the game. There, and I told you, Fitz, a few a few days, a few weeks ago, when we were talking about the Phoenix Suns, the thing that worried me about them is that. When they get ISO ball heavy, something that kind of happened to the Brooklyn Nets last season, everyone else sits around and watch. And there are times where I'm finding Kevin Durant do it when Devin Booker has the ball. Devin Booker does it when Kevin Durant has the ball. And then everybody else does it when those two guys, whichever one has the basketball. And I've seen that time and time again. Also, when you're top heavy like the Phoenix Suns are, when you have a Chris Paul, when you have a DeAndre Ayton, a Devin Booker, a Kevin Durant, those four guys can't afford to have off nights. They just can't. That That is a stat that they gave us. I, I, I'm going to credit stats and info with this, but this is a, a great stat to speak to what you just spoke to. Suns starters have scored 87.6% of their points so far this, this postseason. 87.6. That's the second highest by any team in the last 25 years of playoffs. So you talk about, to your point, when they, once they lost Chris Paul, they, they were out on this because they lost one of the only four people that are scoring at all. And you're right, KD needs to be way more efficient. Uh, and I, I misspeak here saying that he was good enough. He wasn't good enough. It's just that nothing else around them was good at all, right? So it, it exactly. kind of alarming that they only lose by 10 in a night where, thank God they had a Herculean effort from Devin Booker. Because, I mean, my bank and your bank on, on the Suns has been all the all this time has been they can beat you so many different ways because they have four guys that should be better than your four guys. But they've got to, A, all four of them have to be on every single night, and B, they've got to find something, anything from anybody else to have any shot in this series. Well, I'll say four things stuck out to me last night, right, besides the obvious. They got four points from their bench, four (laughs) points in a playoff game from their bench. They shot 19% from the three-point line. They only had five free throws, but you want to know what that tells me? You're settling too much for the damn jump shot. Take mm-hmm. the ball to the cup, make the Denver Nuggets foul you. Don't let those guys bully you around. And then last but not least, they allowed 48 point, uh, paint points. So that lets me know, number one, you're not the most aggressive basketball team. When you only shoot five free throws and then you allow 48 paint points, that, that means you're not being aggressive enough for, for me. I love your point there specifically with Durant because he only shot two free throws on a night where he was 10 of 27 from the field and two for 12 from three. You get like you just got to acknowledge at some point your shot's not falling and then go out there and try and kick somebody's ass to get to a free throw line. That, that's the only thing that makes sense. Monty Williams, head coach of the Suns, did give us afterwards an update on Chris Paul. This is the latest he knew after the game last night. Yeah, it just looked like he was boxing out. And um, he just came up where he couldn't push off of it or anything. And so we're not quite sure what it is right now, but it seems to be something in the growing area. So we'll find out more tomorrow. 
We're still looking for some clarity. Uh, some are saying tight hamstrings. Some are saying tight groin. Uh, we know we will get more clarity, and as we get it, we will give it to you. Plenty to break down on the NBA playoffs as the action last night was spectacular, and we all know there's a big game coming tonight. But in the meantime, is one NFL team getting way too much preseason hype? We're going to play some good take, hot take next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Good take. That's good. Great. Or a hot take. How hot? Red hot. Find out now with Fitz and Harry. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. We'll get to it in just a second. But Harry, uh, got to give uh, got to give your daughter a shout out. It was field day today. Uh, how did she do? Uh, a natural born athlete. She her last name is Douglas. So uh, are we a proud dad today? Yeah, I'm a proud dad, man. It was it was just great, and she was so excited. I was able to be out there with her, and she was a little upset. I wasn't able to eat lunch with her, but I told her, Daddy has to work too. You know, Daddy missed the production meeting, so I could be there with you. So shout out to all you guys too, man, for allowing me to be there with my baby because it meant the world to her. Family first uh, on this entire show, and I only, I'm bummed for you because I think in my heart of hearts, you missed out on elementary school pizza, and like that's a delight. <laughs> I'm just saying elementary school pizza is the best. Uh, all right, it is time to break down some of the takes. You guys know what we do. We, we play you some of the best and the worst from some of our friends, and we figure out if it's good or bad. So I thought, uh, uh, was that where we were going to play the fa- Oh, you did play <laughs> You already played good take, hot take. You're right. You did do that. Well, you know, uh, drugs are bad. Uh, okay, so let's just uh, let's Which start ones? this. Well, all of them. Okay, I work for Mickey Mouse. Uh, we're going to start with uh, Candy and Carlin, our buddy Chris Carlin. Uh, this is what he had to say about Steph and the top five discussion. If he was on the outside looking in, he's not anymore when it comes to being a, a top five player of all time. And I feel like there are times that we don't rate Steph Curry accurately enough as the level of player that he is. We talk about him being the greatest shooter of all time. Well, I mean, if we're going to start talking about a fifth championship coming up for Steph Curry with everything that he has accomplished in his career, and I, I don't think we're close to the end of the road here. It, we're, we're completely, completely changing the dynamic of what his spot is in the history of the game. All right, good take, hot take there. What do you think, Harry? Is that a good take? Yep, yep that's a good take in my eyes. And I, I mentioned this yesterday. If Steph Curry gets his fifth NBA title, then Mount Rushmore will be revisited because Steph Curry is no longer on the outside looking in. He revolutionized the game. He changed it from a perspective of, you know, where you got to pick up guards now uh, when they cross half court. But not only can he shoot the basketball effectively – he can drive to the hoop. We know his percentage shooting free throw-wise. He has the mid-range game. And I love the way he's taking care of his body over and over again. When a lot of people thought the Golden State Warriors were done, what happened? They popped up and won their fourth NBA championship last season. And think about how much is – I, I agree. I think it's a good take. Also because I can't help but watch Golden State. And it's funny. Let's be very transparent here. 
two weeks ago it was, well, is Draymond going to be on the outside looking into the future of Golden State? Now it's, can Golden State win a title? And if they do, what's the luxury tax situation going to be with the new CBA? Can they bring everybody back? Can they keep running it back? Like, there's this moment of whatever is around, Steph, you just sort of believe in. And you said it yesterday. It's been on my mind ever since. You watch the way he plays the game. There is no reason, if he chooses to, that he couldn't play for a lot of years. Like He's not slowing down. He's a cardio-based performer that's able to shoot from absolutely anywhere. There's no reason he can't just keep doing this over and over again. I think we have to accept that at 35, his legacy is actually still building. We're building! And as a result, I feel uh, feel like it's a... Oh, I can't wait for the night, 10 p.m. Oh, them Warriors about to ball out. I can't wait for the night. Yeah, tonight is a pop your popcorn, sit down. Like The the Fitz and Harry group chat is going to be active this evening for this one. I can't wait for it. All right, next up on our good take hot take get a little nfl in here and this is lewis riddick on this show talking about the lions and whether they should be favorites in their division but i do think detroit no one will really they'll pay them their respect but no one's really taking them seriously because they think well detroit's detroit no they're not this team is going to be lights out this year i think they'll be runaway winners in the north i'd be shocked if they are runaway winners in the north feels like a song title or something what do you think good take hot take Good take. Um, I actually picked them to win the division as well. When you look at the Green Bay Packers, there's no Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love is trying to find his way along with a lot of other young pieces offensively. When you look at the Minnesota Vikings, do I trust Kirk Cousins up until a certain point? I don't trust him to win that division, nor do I trust him to make a deep run in the playoffs. When you look at the Chicago Bears, Justin Fields, uh, I think he's phenomenal, but he's still going to have to grow as a passer, and I think he's going to make that leap this season. So that leaves the Detroit Lions in a perfect situation to build off what they accomplished last season and the way they finished the year on top of winning the NFL draft recently. Yeah, so I, I'm going with the Lions. I think I think they're the favorites. Runaway winners might be a little spicy for them. It's not hot, but it's like a little spicy. Like, I don't love Minnesota. I don't love Minnesota, but they did win 13 games last year. I could yeah. just hear in my head Minnesota fans turn around and be like, we won 13 games, give us our respect. Like, so, you know, our respect. Sorry on this show. Uh, I, so With the K. Yeah, with the with the K. It's a little I mean, spicy. they also lost to Devin's uh, Giants in the playoffs, too. Okay. So. Yeah. Daniel Jones bought but out. That was in the playoffs. So, but but Brian, Fl- Brian Flores, I'm, I'm looking to see what he's going to be able to do with that defense. Was That defense was atrocious a season ago. Uh, Evan, were you, were you, were you I was going to say, it's more of like, so the take is like, you don't need ranch for it. You could just kind of, it has some spice to it. You could eat it on its own. It doesn't need ranch. Nothing ever needs oh. ranch, but I will say oh. this. So I, that, that's what we're doing today. I mean, uh, I, okay. look, my, my palate for spice is a little, like, I'm a child, a little bit, a little bit of a child. So like, you know, it's it, this is mild salsa. Like everybody else says, this is what happens. It's the guy that doesn't necessarily have, you know, I love You know who spice. else needed ranch? You know who else needed ranch? Hmm. The Rangers last night. That's what they maybe if they had ranch, they would have beat the New Jersey Devils, but sorry they didn't, Evan. Oh, wow. Don't you mess with God's child. He gonna no. get you. Don't you mess with God's Great. child. Yeah. They lost to a higher seed on the road that was a better team in the regular season. We gotta proceed, Evan. Oh, we gotta no, proceed. Don't do Where's that. the can next I, one? Can Where's I just, next one, just quickly tell you what it's like when like you <laughs> like hot food but you can't handle like it's it's not my butt, it's my mouth can't handle the hot food. Like my mouth gets overheated quickly. And so I have a bite of something, I'm like, Whoa, that's spicy. You know what everybody else says immediately? Wait, what? you think that's spicy? That's always the response. It's like, no, my face is red and I'm sweating for no particular reason. I just told you I think it's spicy. This is you, spicy. you know you know who else was hot last night? Who? The new New Jersey Devils. They were hot last night, too. They were spicy. Wow. They were spicy.
I would talk about the Golden Knights, but they haven't played in days, what feels like weeks. All right, good take, hot take. Let's get you Perk. ESPN NBA analyst Kendrick Perkins was on SportsCenter with SVP. This is what he said about Harden's performance last night. This was the greatest individual performance by James Harden in his career for us in playoffs. Controlling the tempo, getting to his spots, and putting his team on his back as a true leader. And this version of James Harden, I wasn't expecting tonight. But he rose to the occasion after seeing him out in Vegas a couple of nights ago on video. And he said, you know what? Just treat me like Dennis Rodman. Sometimes I may need to go out to come back to get the best version of myself. (laughs) I I love every bit of it. And I I, I agree with Perk on this one because I think we got to look at the opponent and who he did it against. He did it against the number two seed, Boston Celtics. Uh, who a lot of people have as the favorite when the Milwaukee Bucks went down. So without Joel Embiid, so James Harden basically did everything in his power to will his team to a victory, scoring 45 points, making uh, seven three-pointers, shooting 50% from the three-point line. So I agree with them. I, I actually agree also. And now I'm just suddenly thinking if we really want to re-energize the show, if we just want to take the show to the next level, maybe – Maybe ESPN Radio sends us to a show trip to the club in Vegas. Like, if that worked for Harden, like, there's proof of con. We can find the clubs that Harden went to. We could yes. study them for the show. Uh, we, don't and then, find, we don't have to find the clubs that he went to. No, we know where to go. I mean, we, we just, oh, just, like, it, it's research, really. It's research on what it means <laughs> to take a private jet from one side of the country to the other and then do your job. Like, I think we're actually helping, we're helping our audience here. So if the bosses decide they want to send us uh, for a little bottle I know, service. I know, I know Justin's listening. Yeah, I mean. Justin, we love you too, man. I mean, come on, Justin. Like, it's good for team bonding. That's how that the works. The heat is on. Burn and burn and burn. And, the all heat right. is on. We have so many good take hot takes, and we're so off the rails. We'll get you <laughs> some more good take hot take. Uh, is it a good take or a hot take that Evan is a little spicy today because the Rangers lost? Like, he hasn't been quite as uh, – Evan, you, 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 anything you want to say to the world about the Rangers Devils series? Yeah, they lost to a better team with home ice that they were supposed to lose to that was better in the regular season. This isn't like they had a historic regular season, no. had a 3-1 series lead and no. a 3-2 lead in Game 7 no. and lost. Like, it's not like that. I don't know who did that, oh, but, like, comes it's not like ass, that. Uh, like, so they were supposed to lose uh, to the speech. Devils, and they did. So, well, 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 I need to say this. Can I say this really quick, uh, Evan? Yeah. You know, your father, Mr. Wilner, is a wonderful man, right? Mm-hmm. He, he's a great guy because he tried to protect his baby yesterday, which is Evan. Like, he, he tried his best. So... His, his birthday is the same day as my father, so that's how I really know he loves his child, and he's amazing. So I want to give him a shout-out today. Does he carry you around like Yoda when, you're just, when you guys are on a dad-father-son uh, like trip? Like, just put you in the front, front backpack, and he's just carrying you around like Yoda? He's listening, so I have to be careful what I say. I am taller, despite what you think, Fitz, I am taller than my dad. Oh, my God. Your dad, by the way, a legend. Uh, a legend, legend. So uh, we're Wonderful we're man. Thankful like, that I he takes the, the time to most respect like, for Mr. He, he is wildly respected in this industry, so the fact that he wastes time listening to us be morons is, is truly uh, an honor. All right. One team made a major decision. Uh, oh, my God. We got Yoda in this. That's- uh, can we call you Yevin for the rest of the day? Like, it's half Yoda and a, a Yovin? I don't know. All right. One team made a major decision with their young quarterback this morning. I think it's actually the smartest thing they've done in a while. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. Help you again. Yes. Mm. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Hanging out with Louisville Hall of Famer Harry Douglas. Say it one more time again. Louisville Hall of Famer oh, Harry my, Douglas. My bad, Evan. I'm just putting some respect. I'm not doing this right, Harry. I'm just putting some respect on your name. Oh, you got to use a K. Respect. That's what I, that's what I did. Respect. The respect. With some I, respect. <laughs> I don't know why it doesn't work right for me, but, uh, you know, I'm going to keep trying. <laughs> the Packers this morning put some respect in the bank account of Jordan Love. The question is, was it the right decision? It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Jordan Love gets a new deal. Gets a one-year deal worth up to $22.5 million, including $13.5 million fully guaranteed. So what we now know, the question was, were the Packers going to pick up Jordan Love's fifth-year option? I'll explain this to you as best I can. I know this can get complicated, but here's the thing. The fifth-year option was already complicated for Jordan Love. Players who were on the field for 75% of their team's offensive or defensive snaps in two of their first three seasons or have a 50% playtime average over three seasons get the average of the third to the 20th highest-paid players at their position, right? That's the way the fifth-year deal usually works. Players that don't meet that criteria above get the average of third to 25th highest. Jordan Love hasn't played enough. So his fifth-year option would have been $20.272 million. Instead, they're giving him a contract for next year that's $22.5 million, including $13.5 million fully guaranteed. So, in theory, uh, they are giving him a little bit more money than they would have had to, and they're giving him some money right now fully guaranteed that will spread over two years. But Harry, actually really like this because... What you do is you essentially eliminate the questions that Jordan Love was going to have to answer every week about, what about your fifth-year option? What about your fifth-year option? Has a bad game. It'll be, well, what about your fifth-year option? They've taken that question away by simply doing an extra deal on the contract. It buys a little more guaranteed time. It puts a little security in Jordan Love's pocket, and it doesn't cost them much more than it would have cost otherwise. Yeah, it's the Green Bay Packers doing great business and getting ahead of the curve, right? Um also, if they would have picked up that fifth-year option, that would have been 20.2, whatever, seven, whatever number you said, guaranteed to Jordan Love. But instead, now he has a $13.5 million guarantee with that deal. It's just a great business model for, for the Green Bay Packers, getting ahead of things because, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to say, you know, we're just going to pick up this fifth-year option and give this guy a guaranteed $20 million. And we don't even know how he's going to play this season. He has one start that was against the Kansas City Chiefs, and he didn't look good at that time. Fast forward to now, I think Jordan Love is at the point now where he's ready to start for this organization. But also he has to go out there for 17 games and prove that he's worthy of that money. Now, the $13.5 million is guaranteed. But now it puts the, the, the Green Bay Packers in a situation to still make him want to prove what he's able to do on a football field too. It also takes some of that pressure for this year off because now you know this year and next year he's under contract. Gives you a little bit of time for everybody to understand that they're building. Also, if he comes out and he plays lights out, it gives you the opportunity to wait another year before you either do, uh, you can redo the deal, restructure the deal. You can franchise him after if you need to while you get a deal done. So it gives them some leverage. It, look, if they're wrong. And, and, and it, may, it may also lower the cap number for next year as well. A hundred percent. Yeah, it will because next year he would carry that 20 point. $2 million uh, number yep. uh, since that 13.5 that he got guaranteed is spread over two years. You're a thousand percent right. That will lower his cap number, which helps them build around him. Like I hear people say, well, what if he can't play? 
I, the only counter I would have to that is if he gets out there and he's just garbage this year. He just sucks. He's terrible this year. Everybody in that organization's losing their job anyway. Like at some point, look, you're already if that if that's what happens. The money spent is the least of your problems at that point. Oh, by the way, we drafted this guy. We ran Aaron Rodgers out of town. Aaron Rodgers is now a Super Bowl caliber quarterback with the Jets, and our guy flat out sucks. Like well, the well, money well, question I, I, would be the I, last I, part of that they'd have to answer. But I would also say this. I mean. You will be paying them thirteen point five million dollars versus paying them twenty point two million dollars. So I mean, you got a little leeway there. I know thirteen point five million dollars is still a lot of money, but you're not on the hook for twenty point two million dollars. And, and when you're already replacing a legend, just take something off of his plate. Like get rid of a question he doesn't need to worry about right now. I, I mean, I yeah. think for clarity, it's just a nice thing to get rid of it and say, okay, cool, we'll do this deal. It, it just it puts the wolves at bay a little bit. And then I'm going to go out there and ball out to a point that I'm going to get mega paid on the next deal. Like, I can honestly see if you're Jordan Love, you're getting a guarantee out of this. And remember, you already got your your first round pick money. You're getting a guarantee out of this that ensures that for the rest of your life, you are wildly set. Your family won't have to work ever again. That I mean, that's a hell of a safety net. You know, at some point, if you're the Packers, you just want to get rid of some of the variables. That's what I like about it. Now, Obviously, it's hard because Love has the fewest starts by a quarterback when the fifth-year option was exercised. Like, Patrick Mahomes had 31, Tua had 34, RG3 had 35, all that since 2011. Those are the fewest ever when it was option, when it was picked up. Jordan Love has one start. The other side of it, though, is like, <laughs> it gives him all this year and next year before they really have to make a true invest. Like, $13.5 million, $22 million overall over a, a couple of Like, that's not a real investment. It gives them two seasons, Harry. I love this. Yeah, and, and I love what they did in the draft, too. Um, so they're going to surround this, this, this young quarterback with talent on top of what they already had. So I think it's going to be a team full of young guys, but they can gel, they can build together. And you look at who they drafted, Luke Musgrave, the tight end from Oregon State. Also, Jaden Reed, a guy that I was very high on. I love Jaden. I think it was 2021 when Michigan State was making that run and they was doing some great things. A guy that can, you know, go inside, outside, can do things in the return game as well. But then also Tucker Kraft, the, the South Dakota State tight end. So they're they're trying to surround Jordan Love with these pieces, and that's what you do when you have a young quarterback who hasn't really played and started a lot of games for you, is surround them with the proper talent so they can, you know, potentially be good for your organization. I mean, you mentioned Reed at Michigan State. My God, if it turns out that Jordan Love is just hot garbage at quarterback, that's Nothing new. Reed's never had a good quarterback at Michigan yeah. State. Peyton Still Thorne got, wasn't I mean, that guy. Oh, Peyton Thorne. <laughs> transfer portal. So, you know, good, good luck to you, Peyton, wherever you go next. Uh, I think this was a big move uh, for the, the Packers. It answers a big question, and it makes a ton of sense. The Packers made a big decision today. One NBA team has made a major decision, has a major decision to make tomorrow. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio.